This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Gosh, it's good to be back after a week uh, out of the Real Talk studio. Jesperson here with our intrepid producer, John Hicks. We'll see if we can't still do this. It's like riding a bike, right? You think we can still pull it off? You're not <laughs> supposed to say stupid things like I'm about to say at the at the outset of a podcast <laughs> or on the first tee box at a golf course. You never say things like, well, it's going great so far. <laughs> I walked in today. I was like, are the cameras going to turn on? Do the lights work? Everything it's been a week. still works. All the plants are still alive. <laughs> it's amazing. It's good to see you again. We made a, yeah, we made a promise you. to each other to, that as best we could, though we have a famous friendship and a healthy working relationship, we try to stay out of each other's we hair did not on our days off. We didn't really correspond at all. Yeah, no, I was so surprised. I don't, even, I don't even know. I don't even know what you were up to. I was like, except for your Johnny Infamous Instagram. I know that you were, you were you were DJing like fifteen weddings. Yeah, I did a bunch for I was, Team Canada. Yeah, so are you allowed to talk about yeah, it? Yeah, well, Jean Viev and Emirates, two of the goalies from Team Canada, the women's team, uh, tied the knot. It was an incredible event out at a private property. I won't say where because it, yeah. was, it was kind of. Yeah. But and now I can talk about it because there's video up. But a ton of amazing athletes out there, including the the best uh, Canadian women's hockey player potentially in the world. Uh, Marie Philippe Poulin was there. Sarah Nurse. It Hall was it was absolutely incredible event. It was yeah. it was it was amazing. A lot of fun. We were down at the Calgary Stampede. Um, took, I saw. Uh, took the little ones down there just this past weekend. We got caught in that epic hailstorm. I'm not sure. How was that? Well, it was wild. It was like fl- we were flooded up past our ankles mm-hmm. on the Stampede grounds, and of course, you never know. Like around big. Uh, I'm I'm not saying that that there's not supervision when they're setting up those big rides. I'm sure there is. But when the wind really starts to blow, I wonder, like, you know, how much longer will the zipper stand? And so we were trying to find shelter along with, like, 150,000 other people. Uh, but another hugely successful, greatest outdoor show on Earth down in Calgary. And in fun just a other second, than that. so much fun. Yeah. And, and even that is, I was saying to our little guy, I'm trying to tell him as he's, as he's like, wide-eyed and watching Mother Nature First time, right? You're explaining everything. I'm saying, I'm saying, this will all be a wonderful story 24 hours from now. And so <laughs> sure I'm trying to remind them that. Yeah. Uh, we've got the federal environment minister joining us in the house in just a quick second. Ask Randy Boston. He was down flipping pancakes and, and rubbing shoulders, flipping pancakes and rubbing shoulders with she who would be perceived to be his political enemy. I can't wait to ask Randy Boston about dun, dun, dun. <laughs> flipping pancakes with Alberta Premier Danielle Smith. Plus, of course, Charles Adler is going to join us today. we got a lot to catch up on straight pride t-shirts. I mean, a million other things yeah. as well. Uh, but first, I wanted to let you know it's it's obviously not news to anybody and Randy well minister let me say minister is also the associate minister of finance so we'll talk some dollars and cents with him today cost of living it's not news to anybody that the cost of living has gone totally crazy right now but you know what goes hand in hand with that the cost of doing business has gone up as well if you need to boost your revenue one of the best things that you can do is to create a standout training program we know training is your best training partner for creating courses and programs that sell. They've helped associations, regulators, nonprofits, and more generate millions of dollars in revenue without any extra work for their teams. That's big, obviously, in creating, managing, and selling those training courses. If you want to learn more, visit weknowtraining.ca today and see what they could do for your business. 
Randy Wasno is the uh, MP for Edmonton Centre. He's one of a handful of uh, elected members of Parliament out of the province of Alberta. He also sits in cabinet. He's uh, the federal government's Minister of Tourism. And of course, he's the Associate Minister of Finance as well. He's always made himself available to this show, and we're grateful to have you in studio. Thanks for making time for us. Yeah, how was how was awesome. your uh, how was your Calgary Stampede? Let me let me. I'll show everybody here. I had it called up here on my <laughs> Twitter this photo because I thought this is this is a heck of a photo. Um, and, and I know and don't give the politician answer. Sure. Give, give the you know when when it's you and Danielle Smith and Jody Gondek flap, flipping pancakes side by side by side. There's there's some political tension on three fronts. There isn't there. Well, you look. You got all orders of government there. Yeah. You got different political parties there. And what are we doing? exactly what the residents of Calgary and Edmonton want us to do, which is get along and get stuff done. Yeah, that's so right. So in this particular case, we, we, we got the griddle removed of all pancakes fast. And uh, look, it was, it was first flip uh, Thursday, 5,000 people showing up. Uh, it turned out to be the best, second best stampede in the history of uh, the stampede over a hundred and some years. And you know what? 6% of Alberta's tourism revenues come from that one event. What? Six percent of the annual revenues come from the Calgary the Stampede. Province. Five point five hundred and fifty million dollars. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. They saw they, set, awesome, they set a record on day one, one hundred and seventy six thousand yeah. people through the gates, which is wild. Yeah. If you think about it, I was saying to my little guy, I said that's ten times uh, the number of people that would show up for for an NHL hockey game. Uh, maybe more than ten times down in Calgary, but no cheap shots right now. The, <laughs> I grew up cheering for that team, so no cheap shots. But but it really is. It, it can't be understated how significant it is. Uh, what we know that every politician's got to be seen at the Calgary Stampede. How much actual work gets done here? You're actually talking a lot of work. policy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of work. There's policy. There's coordination. Look, I had four of my colleagues. I had to go to Vancouver to do an LNG conference and some tourism stuff. But on the Tuesday, I had four federal ministers in meeting with businesses, stakeholders from all over Calgary, all over Alberta. It was the best Edmonton party that I'd ever seen us throw Thursday night. And uh, people left, went to other Calgary parties, came back to the Edmonton party, let That's me say. Good. And the premier showed up, like the mayor, Mayor Sohi was there. Uh, we had 500 people um, in, a, in, a, in a ballroom. Got some rain to kick things off. Yeah. Forced everybody into the ballroom. And uh, no, best Edmonton showing at a, at a stampede ever. I was hanging out with Bill Nelson. Who's Bill Nelson? Senator Nelson is now the administrator of NASA. And he was there because we had Jeremy, our Canadian astronaut, who's going to go so do, cool. to do the moon shot, literally was the parade marshal. And so it was a perfect opportunity to build the bridge between NASA and Canada. And I can tell you, Senator Nelson had a heck of a time at Stampede. And his next thing is to come back and go to Banff. Mm. So what's the conversation is, and by the way, people really, uh, they, they take close looks at how you flip the pancakes. People read a lot into like your personality, <laughs> your competence on the job by flipping pancakes. Like It's, it's actually really a thing, yes. right? Yep. It's the same as the handshake. Like, if you have a lousy handshake, people read a lot into it. Yeah. Same with the pancake flip. Did you feel some pressure? I felt some pressure. I needed a little practice off yeah. the start. I think I offered a few pancakes to the pancake gods, but then I did four in a row, and one of the counselors, Counselor Shabbat, caught all four of them. So I think I'm good for 2023 pancake competence. I think competence. your team threw that on your Instagram to prove your pancake. <laughs> so what do you? So, what, so what's the scuttlebutt like? Because we'll, we'll, in, in a second, we'll sure. talk about um, uh, Alberta's premier and her mm -hmm. comments about your colleague, the federal environment minister, mm -hmm. 
Timmy Gilboa's plan. Who's the, here this week, right? He's going to be joining okay. me on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, kind of this road to net zero, and, and Alberta's premier is asserting basically the plan, the federal government's plan, is, is really damaging for Alberta. She says it's kind of out of tune with what global demand looks like, projected demand for, for oil and gas. So what does that conversation look like? I mean, obviously, while the cameras are rolling and you're flipping pancakes, nobody's really getting into it. But did you have meaningful conversation with Premier Smith? Look, I talked to the Premier before we went up and did the, the pancake stuff, and it's all about common ground and sitting down. She's she's met with Jonathan Wilkins. She, she's met with Dominic LeBlanc, our intergovernmental affairs and infrastructure minister. She and I have had chats about this. I know Minister Jean and Minister Wilkinson, the energy ministers, have met. It's all about emissions, okay? we got we got to decouple production levels from emissions. So the faster and better that our oil companies can get at stripping out emissions from production, the more they're going to be able to produce. So when you're talking about a carbon capture use and storage technology, which we've put billions of dollars into, that's going to help Pathways Alliance. What's Pathways Alliance? Six of the largest oil and gas producers came together to say, look, we got to get to net zero. We're seeing where financial markets are going. We're seeing that the fact that the world is changing. And I know that right here in Alberta, we can have the greenest barrel of oil on the planet. And that's the first one that people are going to want to buy. Now, since the war in Russia, our production levels are up and our emissions are down. And so that's telling me that we actually are on the right track. And we're going to continue to make sure that we're on that path to net zero. But let me be clear, there's no pathway to net zero for Canada that doesn't run through Alberta and that doesn't run through net, uh, Pathways Alliance. And that's when that's why if you build on sustainable jobs to make sure that we're working with the actual workers in the sector to make sure that they have long-term careers in this sector and make sure that when we're talking about production levels uh, separated from emissions, then we have a future that everybody can talk about. And look, is it the premier's job to keep the heat on us? Absolutely. Are we going to keep those conversations going? Yes. And I look forward to Alberta joining the regional uh, energy table that Jonathan Wilkinson is setting up because they're in every jurisdiction of the country now, except for Alberta and Saskatchewan. So the faster we get that work done, the faster we can have a plan that's going to work for everybody. We'll get to, uh, and again, we're going to be talking about this this week, and so so make sure, uh, Real Talk audience members, that you catch on it, in particular on Wednesday's episode. But here's here's what the Premier had to say about about the Federal Minister Gibbo's plan, and, and she said not only are the contemplated federal targets unconstitutional, which is, that's a, that's a big, I want to get your comment on that, unconstitutional, uh, she says they create investor uncertainty and are extremely harmful uh, to the Alberta and Canadian economies. Obviously, we're going to be getting conservative voices on this too, but but. Y- the assertion that it's unconstitutional, this comes back, I think, obviously, to the ideas around the province's sovereignty mm-hmm. and, and, and this yeah. type of thing. But but you've got a, a sort of a, how do I describe the look on your face? How do you describe the look on your oh, face look, right we now? Can, we can fact check. I mean, you can fact check my tweets, too. Um, but that statement is false. Like, we fought an election over this. Uh, and uh, we went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court was very clear that the federal government's competence in terms of environmental jurisdiction allows us to set targets. So check mark, that's done. So it's not unconstitutional. It's a shared jurisdiction, which is why we should be at the table together. We shouldn't be rattling sabers in public. We should be sitting down, figuring out what the actual numbers are and how much time is it going to take us to get there. Net zero, like, uh, sorry, Pathways was ahead of the federal government when it came to its own targets for net zero. And um, when it comes to actually, uh, um, is it harmful to our environment? Absolutely. No. Is it harmful to workers? No, because there's $100 trillion on the table 
to get to a net zero future between now and 2050. I want Alberta to get its fair share. So showing that we can do CCUS stacks, that we can bring hydrogen on board, that we can actually uh, position this sector for uh, more more production with fewer emissions, that's the way forward. And I know they can do it. How important is it? And by the way, we sort of have like a no BS promise to our audience members. <laughs> I'll let people, people are going to hear Pathways Alliance advertising on this show. Yeah. So just say we're, yeah. we're, we're launching Straight a partnership up. with them today. Yep. That's a fact. So, so, Take that for what it's worth. Let me ask you, though. I mean, sure. how important is it to have a group or have an organization like Pathways Alliance in play here? Industry players leading this as a because because you know what the what the scuttlebutt is. You know what people say about you know the federal government. You've heard it all. Justin Trudeau hates the oil sands. You know the federal government hates Alberta oil. You, you you've heard it all, right? And you've answered a lot of questions about it on this show. How important is it to have industry leaders? taking a leadership role. Okay, here. look, I'll give you insight. You want insight scoop too? We all want Okay, so I love scoop. I love interest I love industry, okay? And I love that industry's at the table. Uh, I have I have the numbers of all of the leaders of pathways if we didn't have the six groups together, we'd have to pull these six companies together. So what Sonovus is doing, Imperial, what um, CNRL is doing is really important. And look, for a long time, oil and gas companies didn't didn't seek to uh, tell people how innovative this sector is. Everybody thinks the most innovative sector in this country is the aerospace. Oh, let's say maybe, no, no, it's not that. It's automotive. No. You want to talk about the BS filter? Mm. The most innovative sector in this country is the oil and gas sector. Like we figured out how to get oil out of sand. We figured out how to drill in the middle of winter. And so why am I saying this? I'm saying this because if pathways didn't exist, we'd have to exist it and we'd have to create it. And look, at one point at the Edmonton party, I heard the premier's voice and all of a sudden I find myself getting a hug. I'm like, Premier, nice to see you too. Mm. She goes, I love your shirt. I didn't know. And I said, what didn't you know? And the back of my shirt, which is an inner pipeline shirt, says, I love pipelines. I said, well, Premier, I've always loved pipelines. Mm. Since day one, I ran on Keystone. I ran on Energy East. And when TMX is done, is it costing us more than we thought? Absolutely. Is it going to get built? Yeah, all you have to do is go to Jasper and see that pipe being built. When that thing is done next year, we get our world price of oil for the first time. The Americans no longer give us a haircut. And I'm, I'm going to be celebrating that day. Would you wear your I Love Pipelines shirt in Montreal at a Absolutely. party? Yeah. Absolutely. Have I you wore, done so? I've worn it in Ottawa. I'll have to bring it to Montreal. Well, tag me in a tweet when you're wearing it in Montreal, <laughs> and I'll retweet it. You have my done word on that. Deal. Uh, our conversation is going to bounce all over the map. These are my favorite kinds of conversations, work. but you're talking about stampedes and t-shirts so like i gotta ask you about oh, this yes. guy um and uh this is uh i'm gonna play the audio a little bit later sure. uh, an independent journalist actually got an interview with this guy and, and i'll put that in front of charles adler but mm. but everyone's seen the photos by now so there he is the leader of the official opposition wants to be canada's next prime minister that's pierre poliev posing with this guy and of course alberta's premier as well danielle smith posing with this guy the shirt says uh basically thank a straight person for your existence uh straight pride uh, on the back i think the, the quote is Martin Luther King Jr. quote, actually. It wasn't it something like, you know, you got to break bad laws or something like that. I know I should know it, but um, I, I didn't spend too much time losing sleep over this shirt, but but I also have a lot of privilege and I'm straight. So probably you know, like for me, I kind of I'll be honest when I see a shirt like this. I, I can I. OK, I don't say this usually to federal ministers, but a friend of mine. So she says, what's your take on the shirt? I said, it's small dick energy. That's that's what that shirt is. It's just sad. It's just pathetic. I don't I don't necessarily. But again, I'm straight. OK, yeah. so I'm straight. But she said, she says, do you think it's hateful? I said, I, I don't know if it's hateful. It just to me seems just a little pathetic. It's like, you know, the, the, we have the black entertainment awards. Where's the white entertainment awards? We have the pride parades. Where's the straight parade? Like all this, you know, this kind of stuff. Right. You know, it's you know, and and uh, so I look at that and I kind of 
I guess in a way, I just kind of shake my head and write it off as a little bit pathetic. But it was politically problematic for the premier, politically problematic for Pierre Polyev. Um, you have served as the prime minister's special advisor mm -hmm. on LGBTQ2S plus issues. You are an open and proud gay man. How do you take that shirt? So look, it, the the shirt is is more than an, if unfortunate. It's a it's a dumb shirt. The, the majority has the power, right? And the majority of the country is straight, and the majority of the country is still white. And so mm. this person is not only straight and white; they're rubbing it in the face of people who have just been trying to fight for basic oxygen. That's it. That's why it really is, you know, it's really somebody who's overcompensating. I don't know for what, but what's problematic for the premier and, and Polyev is they should know better. Like if all you're doing is playing to your base, then you really can't say to minority populations that I have your back at the same time. Mm. You can't suck and blow at the same time on this one. And quite frankly, it's a real problem because you've got Polyev with openly gay members of his caucus. How do they take this? Are they welcome in caucus? Do they get to speak their minds? Like we have, we have uh, two of the conservatives and we have uh, a couple of new Democrats and there's me and Seamus and Pascal and Rob all created the Canadian Pride Caucus with a bunch of senators. Well, how's our next meeting going to go? Hmm. Like, have they tweeted out anything about this? No, none of the, and they're not allowed to. So are they really able to stick up for the backs of, of LGBTQ2 Canadians? And in a normal year, at a normal time, people might just write off the shirt, but not when people are in New Brunswick not being able to express who they are at school without them calling you know, their parents. Like here in Alberta, it was former finance minister Taves who passed a law that if you join the Gay-Straight Alliance, somebody's got to call your parents. Mm. Well, what the hell's the point? Nobody calls your parents when you join the chess club or the basketball club or the social club or, quite frankly, even the drama team. But if you're going to join a gay-straight alliance, somebody's got to call your parents. Well, then all the gay-straight alliances just folded because there's no point in having them. So it's about making sure that we stick up for people's rights, all people's rights, and political leaders. Like I had this saying, you can be my ally, and you're a great ally, but I also know that you've made it to the champion leagues. What do I mean by that? You're my ally when you tell me you have my back when I'm in the room. But mm. I know you're my champion when you have my back when I'm not in the room. Mm. Neither of these leaders were our champions in those moments. Um, if people want to dig a little bit deeper into what Minister was just talking about in New Brunswick, we talked to Philippe Fournier from 338 Canada, uh, not last week, we were off last week, but if you look back in our most recent episodes, he talks about Premier Higgs polling uh, in his home province and, and the impact that that's had on that. If you want to go back, you can find it on YouTube or, of course, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, both leaders, uh, Smith and Poliev, said, we didn't read the shirts. And um, I, and you're chuckling Where's for people your BS listening meter? on the podcast. Like, there should be an actual BS meter that goes out well, behind, your, I, behind your head. So, so, so I'm not, like, uh, let me say this. Like, so this is how I would answer that is, <laughs> number one, bullshit. Uh, <laughs> but number two, like, it is, and I've seen it, and you've seen it, you've experienced it, obviously to be the premier or the mayor or the prime minister or the dep, you know, whatever, um, you know, to be in a senior political, but, you know, as a recognizable person at an event like the Calgary Stampede, you are pivot here, photo, pivot here, photo, pivot here. photo. That is true. That is true. So for a second, I could maybe say, well, well, maybe, maybe they didn't kind of see the fluorescent green shirt with like the huge maybe. But then in that circumstance, and I know it's not popular yeah. to pile on staffers, and I yeah. know that people don't typically enjoy when, when broadcasters start asking questions like this, but like, where was the political support? Where was the team? Um, and so that leads me to believe, I mean, I find it very hard to believe that a premier or, or a wannabe prime minister's uh, team of handlers didn't see the shirt. And to me, the uh, availability for the photograph was calculated 
which then doesn't make sense that you walk it back. Like either let the photo happen and own it and maybe just don't comment on it. I know that, like, can I also say, this is why people listen to Real Talk, because this is like, I'm having this conversation with a person who is gay. Yeah. So, like, this is a very real conversation to have, because this is going to land with you a whole lot different than it's going to land with me. I'm just looking at it from, like, political strategy. And I'll get hate comments over it. Over talking about this? You better believe it. Look at the comments. Mm. Look at the comments. We tweet about this show. Half the comments will be, why the hell are you talking about straight pride t-shirts? Hmm. What right do you have to talk about that? And the right, and look, I get 364 days to celebrate all my straight friends. Hmm. I get one day where I get to be myself. And for all those people from rural Alberta for who are now looking at the premier and going, does she have my back? The only place they can go is to a pride place, is to a pride event. And maybe August 25th is the only day that they can hold their partner's hand or actually you know, have a kiss when somebody's not going to judge them. Hmm. And what's the gay agenda? Get the lawn done. Hmm. unpack the dishwasher right do that make sure that the list of chores from your from your partner gets done that's what the gay agenda is it's none of this bullshit that's on people's t-shirts and if people want to stick up for us then do so but don't play games and the day that i see lgbtq issues no longer being political footballs is the day that i will know that our work has been accomplished Hmm. it's the it's it's the same thing like we're seeing this in other countries they got past this like my people are not like, we're not political footballs anymore. And you want to go to the streets of Edmonton right now and talk to the kids? 60% of the kids on the street right now are queer kids because their straight parents have kicked them out. I've actually seen the numbers higher than that. Well, it can be as high as 70%. I, yeah, talk to Margo I mean, Long, right? Margo Long at, at YESS. Support Services. And so it's real. And like, look, what happens when a 14-year-old or 15-year-old kid gets kicked out? Where are they going to... Like, they'll couch surf for a while, but then that'll get old. And then they're going to try to... Then they'll live on the streets. That's dangerous. And then maybe they get trafficked. And I can tell you the suicide and death rates we see among young people is high and real. So is the t-shirt innocuous? Probably. But the long value chain of that kind of intolerance leads to very unfortunate circumstances. And Pierre Polyev and the premier should know better. Hmm. Um, during the Alberta election, I'm not going to continue to bang this drum, but there is there is like a trend that you can't ignore. You know, there's uh, you know a, a candidate obviously that was elected as an MLA in Lacombe Pinoca that made some pretty horrific comments about trans kids in yeah. schools, and everybody knows about that. You know, bigger picture, like with regards to international news, Bud Light, the whole controversy around their partnership mm-hmm. with a with a, a trans woman a, a social media influencer but one of their thousands of partnerships one of their thousands of promotions has has uh, earned i think that company a, a loss pretty significant loss of market share and we were talking about kid rock and all the you know these celebrities like shooting yeah. you know cases of bud light with air 15s and and I saw, I think it was in Edson just the other day. Uh, I know it was in Edson that they had their, you know, a pride, uh, you know, an art installation that, that was vandalized. I got an amazing email out of Edson, by the way, on Friday. Listen to our most recent trash talk. Someone from Edson being like, let me tell you what Edson's all about. It was very positive. Uh, but I know that news like that is a bit of a gut punch. It seems like uh, from my position as, a, as, as an observer, it seems like there was more pushback uh, more controversy around Pride Month this year than in previous years. When you would think it would be becoming less of a thing, it seems to be becoming more of a thing. Do you notice that? So the journey towards rights are never a straight line up. They're roller coasters. Okay, so you have times where it's good. You're going up. You're going up, and then you're going to hit a dip. 
then you got to go up again. So I don't know. Are we in the are we in the 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 downside of the dip? I hope we're plateauing. I mean, we saw this in Leduc, right? They shut down a, a council meeting yeah. over over a bloody crosswalk. Like a, a queer crosswalk is enough to shut down a Leduc council meeting. Well, that what? was about a whole lot of that was wild. We talked to Leduc's mayor about that. That was like, like they think chemtrails, and I, I mean, know, it was half the room wasn't from Leduc. Yeah. Like I zoomed in to the Westlock Town Council over the Pride Crosswalk, and they went ahead unanimously. And so Ralph Larriger and his council did a good job there. I think, look, I think some of this is still uh, anxiety and nervousness coming out of the pandemic. I think some uh, folks who feel, uh, you know, that the, their world isn't unfolding the way they thought are getting angry and they're getting organized and they're finding each other on social media and, and they're lashing out. But I can tell you that the majority of Canadians um, is are, are with us. And it's why, you know, as legislators, we put uh, protections in place for trans kids and trans people across the country. And it's also why we now have a $100 million LGBTQ action plan that's rolling out across the country. But I'll say this, uh, because I talk about this when I'm talking about bringing people to Canada because that's my job, right? Mm. Like we had 22 million visitors in 2019. We're almost back there. My job is to get 40% more revenue uh, in from tourism between now and 2030. That's the federal tourism growth strategy that I just rolled out. But here's a stat for you. We are 0.0044% of the world's population. And yet we have 10%, more than 10% of the world's prides. So we punch 20 times above our weight mm. when it comes to being proud as a country. There are 1,100 prides in the world and Canada consistently has more than 125 of them. So that also tells you something about who we are as people, and that includes Edmonton. And we, it was interesting because when I started as special advisor, it was Pride Month, and it was very Toronto-centric. So I blew that up. It's Pride season because Winnipeg starts us off in May, mm. and Calgary gets us to September long weekend. But Jasper's in March, Whistler's in February. In, in, uh, February. So there's Prides happening in this country all year round. And so, look, we're all in this together, and... Um, as, lo as long as we just let each other live our lives, we're going to have a healthier, uh, more diverse country. And that's what it's all about. I want to talk to you about this tourism growth strategy. Sure. And, and I also want to ask you a question. We put this, th this was more controversial than I imagined it would be, uh, which is kind of like a regular common occurrence on a show like this. <laughs> Didn't see it coming. Had, you know, Linda Steele and Jody Vance, yeah. uh, Steele and Vance from Czech in, 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 on the West Coast. And so they joined us for our most recent roundtable. And uh, I don't have to tell you that the federal carbon tax bumped up on, on July mm. 1st. It made, you know, the price of the pumps a little more mm -hmm. expensive. And so I asked them, um, you know, if you were calling the shots, like this is just people having coffee. Like this yeah. is just how this is how people talk. Is you know, I said if you were calling the talk. shots, if you were the PM or you were calling the shots, would you pause the increase on the carbon tax based on inflation and cost of living and all that kind of stuff? And anyway, their answers really kind of set people off. I was I was trying to stay off my phone during my time off, but people were <laughs> people were kind of like you know getting a little fussy about it, which is fine. Uh, I want to ask you about that in just a second. We're talking to uh, Federal Tourism Minister Randy Boisneau. He's an MP out of Edmonton right now. And of course, these conversations happen because of Real Talk sponsors and, and support for this podcast in particular. And the following message comes from Pathways Alliance. Oil Sands operations contribute significant carbon emissions in Canada. So as you just heard from the minister, the six largest companies are working together. By the way, Pathways Alliance is not making the minister come here. He's not getting paid from Pathways Alliance. We're not paying the minister. There's no shenanigans. But six of the largest companies are working together and with governments, as you just heard, to take strides on the path to net zero from their operations. You can see how and get more details at pathwaysalliance.ca. 
with the Calgary Stampede in the books, you know what the best next uh, big event uh, in Alberta is, and that's, of course, coming up right here in Edmonton. We want to invite you to be part of something big. YWCA Edmonton is thrilled to be the charity of choice for this year's K-Days 50-50, and they need your help. You can join their volunteer team on the K-Days grounds between July 21st and 30th to help spread the word about that 50-50. The more tickets they sell, the better it is for the YWCA right here in Edmonton. Your benefits as a volunteer, aside from obviously doing amazing work for an organization that has been doing exactly that for more than 100 years, free entry to K-Days, free transportation on ETS, and a $10 food voucher. You can learn more. Be part of the movement for change and register as a volunteer at ywcaofedmonton.org. And we'll have that link in the show notes on the podcast and on YouTube. And for those of you that through this summer are starting to get inspired, you're starting to dream, you're watching those clouds move, you're, you're, you're listening to the rustle of the trees and the babbling brooks, and you're starting to think, what might life look like in the fall? Maybe it's time for change Take two minutes today to check out Canada's Open University at AthabascaU.ca. Athabasca University's world-class accredited online programs and courses offer you the flexibility to learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. Your only commute is to your device if you need to take time off, or if you want to fast-forward your program, you can do either because you're calling the shots when you enroll as a student at Athabasca University. So basically, Linda Steele and Jody Vance both say if they were calling the shots, yeah, they would press pause on the increase to the carbon tax. Now, of course, the critics will say, and we did discuss it, you can check out the roundtable at your convenience. Uh, but but, but basically, and we get you on mute your mic there, but, but basically they said... The cost of living is so high. People can't afford to get into houses right now. Gasoline is out of control. People are trying to road trip with their families so they can't. The critics say you can't pause progress on the climate file to satiate or to keep happy the political critics of something like this. And it prompted really good conversation, which is kind of the point. Yep. But of course, this isn't even something that the federal government would have considered, right? No, it's a straight line to 170, in part because... You said it in your opening remarks, like business wants stability, right? And business wants predictability. And the best way to have that, look, it was pathways that came together and said, look, can you just give us the straight line? Like, tell us what predictability looks like for the price on pollution from now to 2050. So that's the path that we're on. And look, people think that if we pause the carbon tax now, it's going to give, you know, it's going to help with affordability. We're already doing that because 100% of the money that we raise in every jurisdiction where there is a federal backstop goes back to that jurisdiction. So like earlier this week, Albertans got 193 bucks in their direct deposit. It's the climate action incentive rebate. What does that mean? That's your offset for the price on pollution. Now, British Columbia doesn't see it because they have a different program than us. Same with Quebec. But any province that has the federal backstop gets that money that offsets. And I can tell you, it goes up. I've seen it go up every year because the price on pollution goes up every year. And I mean, we've been outside yesterday. We've been outside this morning. You see the smoke in the air? Like the sky hasn't been blue for four days. Not here in Northern Alberta. Mm -hmm. Those are the forest fires. The atmospheric rivers are real. Fiona's real. And so here's here's the scary thing though. Like, we're going to get all this done, and it's, it's not going to have an immediate effect. Like, what we have now is baked in from stuff that was in the atmosphere 10, 15, and 20 years ago. So the reason we're taking action now is so that your kids, when you're with your grandkids at uh, Stampede, 
are not dealing with like baseball size hail. But is it hard to get people to like most of people? I mean, of course, everyone can be Think of the kids, think of the grandkids, and people do care about the future of the planet, I think. Yep. Um, but then people also go, yeah, but like. You gotta make your bills pay. You, you gotta know? pay your bills. Yeah, right? I get it. And, and a lot of people are focused on like the here and now for yep. their family. It's that kind of self preservation human tendency, right? Is right. it hard to sell people on the big picture when a lot of them are more concerned about the next two weeks? It is harder. I can tell you, look, the reality of the country and the reality of North America is it became a little easier uh, when this started to affect Toronto, Montreal, and New York. Huh. Right? Because now, like, you got a majority of the country going, holy smokes, this stuff really actually uh, does happen. Um, and look, here in Alberta, we got we have to make sure that we're doing everything we can because I don't want... I want to make sure that the lens that got focused on us in the past around dirty oil comes away forever uh, because we are responsible stewards of the resource. And I want to make sure that we're doing a good job on that. At the same time, we've got to make sure that we're pulling carbons out of the air because um, we're one of the we're one of the uh, jurisdictions in the country and in the world that produces um, high levels of emission. But look, let's look at this with clear eyes. Transportation is 25 percent. Oil and gas is 26 percent. So it's both sectors that got to literally clean up their acts. That's why the announcement we made on Friday, hydrogen announcement, big deal, like 100 hydrogen vehicles from Toyota starting to be delivered. We got the first five of them. It's the largest net zero fleet of Toyotas anywhere in the world. Mm. Where? In Edmonton, yeah, in Alberta, it's EIA in Canada. Thing, it? yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's an EIJ, EIA thing, YEG thing. Why? Because we want to show Albertans and Edmontonians that hydrogen is the way of the future. You're going to see hydrogen trains, hydrogen buses, air products setting up here, $1.6 billion installation, largest net zero hydrogen plant in the world, right in Northeast Edmonton, transformative. Like this is the epicenter of the hydrogen economy for the whole country, right here in Edmonton. Um, and you have to push for this stuff because as federal tourism minister, you're also trying to get thousands more planes coming into Canada. You're yes. trying to get more buses on the highway. You're trying to get people you renting more cars, you right? You got it. Look, and people want, look, it's a, it's a, I found it a strange term when I started in this job. I, I knew about sustainable tourism. I didn't know anything about regenerative tourism. What is that? Uh, exactly. It's leave the place as good or better when you found it, when you leave. Not a new principle. Not a new principle, but one that really brings in indigenous tourism, respect for the land. Like it's almost like shop local, eat local, but uh, from a tourism perspective. Mm. So how do you take an ecosystem and make sure they can have visitors, but by having those visitors, it actually you know, provides uh, a circular economy for that community that doesn't over tourist it. And so having that as a, as a goal in part in this federal tourism growth strategy works, but so does... So does, you know, cleaning up some of our assets. Like some of the tourism attractions we have in this country need more than a fresh coat of paint. So we need a whole new raft of attractions. So we want to invest in those. I just came up with a question that I knew you weren't going to answer. I'll ask it anyway. What's, 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 the, what's the most potentially uh, stunning tourism attraction in Canada that right now you are currently totally embarrassed about? <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to be able to come up with that. Um, You're not going to like the vernacular. Your team behind the scenes is like, do not answer. Don't answer that question. I'll come back to you in another. Give me this instead um, in closing because I know you got to I pull. have one. I have one. Okay. So look, we built. It's not that I'm embarrassed. It's that I think we didn't connect the dots. So right now there's a highway that goes all the way up to the Arctic Ocean. Okay. We built that highway over seven years. And now Americans come up on their bikes. They come up as like, it's like, a, think about this. You take your spring break and you get on a highway and you go to tip, put your toe in the Arctic Ocean. And maybe you're crazy enough to go swim in the ocean. Do it. 
Is there a place to grab a burger nearby? Is there a place to actually sleep nearby? No, they go back two hours down the highway mm. to actually go spend their money there. So missed opportunity when you have all that traffic going to a new location. So we have to think about the whole ecosystem that we're building. So am I embarrassed about that? No. Do I see a missed opportunity? Absolutely. Do I want more missed opportunities? Hell no. Mm. So it's about connecting our communities with our provinces and our federal government to make sure that when we're saying to Americans and Brits and Germans and Japanese and folks from around the world, come and check us out, that we have an experience that they're then going to tell their friends about that then brings more people here. You were uh, in Whistler. We'll ask you this in closing. Sure. Uh, you were just in Whistler talking yeah. about the federal tourism growth mm -hmm. strategy. What's one thing, like we, we want people to sort of tune out and lose interest if we start getting into the weeds, yeah. but like what's one key change? What's one new key uh, method of a, or angle of approach on on how you're uh, kickstarting tourism? We People underestimate, I think, tourism's contribution to GDP. Would you agree? Yeah. It's more than uh, it's more than the auto parts sector. It's $105 billion in revenue as yeah. a country. Wild. It's our number one service export. I can tell you, one of the big things that I did is we put $50 bucks. That's going to go to the agency that markets Canada around the world. It's called Destination Canada, based out of Vancouver. We're going to go get 50 new international events, conferences, congresses, spread them around the country, and show the world what we can offer. And then when we get that done, I'm going to blur the lines between sport and tourism. Because when I did Ironman in Penticton half a lifetime ago, was I a tourist or was I a sports person? Was I a sports person or I was a tourist? I was both. So the fact that the government kind of puts up, you know, silos between tourism and sport, mm. Minister Pascal St. Ange and I have now said, forget that. We're not doing that anymore. We want those amateur sports events here. So when you have the ITU, it's awesome. But when you have amateur triathlon here, guess what? They bring their families mm. and then they stay because they get on the road, right? So that's a big deal. Final thing that is in the strategy that's a big deal that I learned from the Americans and the Brits and the Germans is I'm pulling all 23 of my ministerial colleagues who touch tourism around the table and we're going to meet twice a year to solve issues that face the tourism sector. Because when I think of airports, i got to think of Omar Al-Gabra. When I think of borders, it's Marco Medicino. When I think of food, agriculture, it's Mary-Claude Bibeau. And then i got six ministers for regional development agencies, all part of that. What about immigration? What about labor? What about arts and culture? See what I'm talking about? 23 of my colleagues, plus me, touch tourism, and we're going to get together in a ministerial tourism growth council and get some stuff done to bring more people right here to Edmonton. Unfair follow-up question for you. Uh, <laughs> As it's, always. It's, it's more fair for your for your colleague, Minister Saint Onge, sure. uh, Minister of Sport. Um, just saw that Nike's announced that it's permanently severing its sponsorship with Hockey Canada. This was a uh, due to the obvious. Sure. I, mean, I think everybody knows Understood. why, but the 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 scandal and and um, I guess probably Nike's assessment that Hockey Canada hasn't done enough to address it. Um, you know how significant has this been? Uh, the revelations around Hockey Canada and what that brand, even that logo, has like in our house. We have beach towels with that logo on it. I have, I have shower, uh, you know, like yeah. flip flops with that logo yep. on. It. I mean, like everybody's sort of like felt pride around that logo, and it's been, I think, uh, obviously for for the uh, complainants here, for the survivors, for the victims, it's it's been the most troubling. Uh, but for millions of people across the country, this has been a tough pill to swallow. Um, how has that resonated, if at all, around the cabinet table, and and how does that land with the federal government? Oh, it, it, um, it resonated loudly and clearly. And Minister St. Onge is, uh, is an athlete herself, Olympian, yeah. and uh, she's fierce. And um, she did the right thing on this file at the right time. And look, the brand is damaged. Um, yeah. Hockey Canada's brand. And let's see if they're able to reset with the you know changing of the board. Um, am I surprised that sponsors have left? No. 
Um, and I think you're going to see more uh, challenges for the brand moving forward. And they, they've got to be, you got to treat people well. And uh, we're, in a new era, we're, we're in a new era, right? Like you can't have shenanigans. You can't treat people badly. Misogyny has no place in sport. Mm. Uh, and neither does homophobia. Uh, and so next time we come, we can talk about the NHL backing off of the Well, the my only thing stuff. is, you know what? Hey, do you want to do, you want to do like, a, do you want to do like a, a crossover on the fly with Adler? Because Charles Adler, I know he'd love to talk about. The, can we you, should can set you, that up. Can you? Well, no. Let's do it right now. Can you stay for two more minutes? Sure. Does your t- do you guys have to go? Just say yes if you have to go. You got to go. You have to go. Two minutes. Um, well, let's. Okay. Why don't you tee this up for Adler? I'll ask sure. him about this. What do you make of that? The National Hockey League, essentially Gary Batman, Commissioner of the League, yeah. saying, and we've talked about it before on the show lots. They're not doing the theme jerseys anymore. The warmer jerseys. He says not just pride, but it is pride. I mean, it is, but it also will affect things like breast cancer and military Look, appreciation came out, and all that kind like of stuff. Like Connor was very clear. He's like he he said it was disappointing, big time, and uh, so it is dis- like we respect big corporates and big associations to lean in and. If you're following your follower, something's wrong. Ah. Like, you got to lead. And I expect the NHL to lead. As a federal government, we lead. And when you see big brands and big organizations stepping back and not leading, you have to answer the question and ask why. Yeah. What are they not prepared to do or change inside their own organizations? When Canadian banks can embrace pride to the degree that TD and RBC, these are arch conservative entities let's be serious like they manage our money and they hold our money we want them to be small c conservative right when they can do the hard work and quite frankly let people go that aren't on board with that kind of change why can't the nhl that's Randy Boisson. He's the Federal Minister of Tourism. We never let you know what questions you're going to face, and that's because half the time we don't know either. It just but happens. Thanks, we've man. always appreciated your availability. Thank you. Appreciate and thanks it. for this. You can let us know what you think about this interview by sending us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Charles Adler's coming up in 90 seconds. These conversations happen because of Real Talk sponsors like Apex Automation. Their number one message to you right now is that they're hiring. They're looking for Canada's best professional engineers to join a team that is putting people ahead of profits and it's growing faster than any other automation firm in Canada right now. Now their main expertise is industrial control systems engineering and software development solutions for any industrial process. So the main subcategories are things like electrical and instrumentation engineering, process engineering, drafting services. If you're intrigued by a career in pipelines, natural gas processing, potash mining, robotics, material handling, upstream oil extraction facilities, you name it. Your future is bright with Apex Automation. You can get in touch with their team today or simply click out, uh, check out the careers link. Just click apexautomation.ca slash careers and find out more what it's like to work at Apex Automation. Johnny, we came home this weekend to a backyard we don't oh, even recognize anymore. Not done, oh. but it has officially begun. The excavation is underway. They got all the shovels in the ground. The shovels are in the <laughs> ground. Our backyard overhaul, our project, and this is one that we're so proud and excited to be investing in with Eden Landscaping. Mike and his team were there over the weekend just getting the ball rolling on this, and it's been so exciting for us because for a couple of years now, it's just been my wife Carrie getting her Pinterest board together we've been taking a look at what's inspired us from other landscape designs and we put that all in front of Mike and his team and said how does this fit our lifestyle and and quite frankly more importantly how does this fit our budget and seeing them bring that together has 
really been uh, something uh, to, to watch. I mean, I, I, I'm so excited to show you the finished product. When it's done, uh, you can get in touch with Eden today. Check out their portfolio online. They're ultra-modern designs. They're natural beauty. Uh, LandscapeEdmonton.ca is where you can see more about their custom landscaping services. This is a company we're proud to be partnering with. That's Eden Landscaping at LandscapeEdmonton.ca. And speaking of builds, of course, I want to remind you that this studio that we broadcast from them, this studio where we create this show, was built by Complete Care Restoration. Their team is busy right now, all hands on deck. I was talking to one of their leadership group members, Kelly. He said to me, with all of the fire damage and floods that have happened across the province right now, the team at Complete Care Restoration is pulling out all the stops to make sure that they're getting Albertans back into their homes as quickly as possible, but they're not cutting any corners. They're making sure that construction job, that that rehabilitation, that restoration is done right the first time. This is your biggest investment. Don't trust it to anybody else other than complete care restoration. Well, every Monday, it's uh, an absolute pleasure to check in with the Titan of Talk, Emmy Award-winning broadcaster, now podcaster, and of course, newspaper columnist with the Winnipeg Free Press, Charles freaking Adler. It's great to see your face, my man. How was your weekend? Really good. I was uh, very impressed with uh, Randy uh, freaking uh, Weissenau. Yeah, no kidding, right? Smart cookie. And I'll tell you, I'm really impressed with his staff. Uh, Just as smart. You gave him the opportunity uh, to stay over and spend some time with you and me both. Yeah. And the like, staff nah. immediately said, no time. We, we've got no time for that. <laughs> you know, th- this is my reputation, right? Uh, staffs, it doesn't matter. They're liberal, the conservative, NDP, Bernier staff. It doesn't matter. Um, the staff of the, the man on the moon. Uh, you just don't know what Adler's going to say. You don't know what he's going to ask. He may, he may trap I'm you. Out. Uh, <laughs> your, your career may end in nanoseconds. Uh, don't don't do it. Don't, it was we awesome. no time. No time. It, it was awesome. We 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 had we had lots of time until we had no time at no all. No time. Yeah. <laughs> what what would you have led with? <laughs> well, well, I I, w- I would have led with. I said uh, I would have said, Mister Brasano, uh, can we not agree and, and get a government statement on this? And and the statement simply is the NHL is caving to the Trumpian wing, the QAnon wing, the the crazy wing of American politics. Uh, in its uh, culture war point of view, the only reason uh, the NHL and Bettman has decided to do what they do, which is basically make sure that there's no NHL endorsement of you know LGBTQ, it's just so controversial, right? The idea of you know people uh, who are LGBTQ having rights. I mean, this is just too controversial for the Trumpian QAnon types, and so the NHL is caving to that. Let's get a government statement on that. And that's what I would have uh, asked Mr. Boissonneau. And, and the staff would have just had a heart attack and, and ulcers. Don't, 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 don't go there. Don't, we, got no, we got no green light for this. Yeah. We don't need this. Well, as soon as, as soon as he said that he expects, you know, what did he say? Something like once you're following your followers, you're in trouble or something like that. He says, I expect the NHL to lead. Um, I thought the way that my brain works, I went, that's a pull quote. Yeah. Like that. that's a highlight for this interview. So we'll see how that one lands. But, well, but- I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't dislike what, what he said there. But I just want it a lot tougher, right? Yeah. I, I I don't want the Canadian government to be a sackless wonder on this. Uh, the, the NHL, yeah, I, I get that the head office is in New York and whatever. Hockey is Canada's game. The government of Canada ought to support the game and ought to support people in this country 
by and large in favor of those nights, whether the nights are for, for breast cancer or for the LGBT people. It, do, it doesn't matter to me, but it's obvious to me that it's the culture war that's going on in the United States right now. And of course, I guess to some extent, it's also going on in Canada because Polly has people I mean, that all they do, they're on the right wing sites all day. What are the Americans doing? What are the Americans doing? Right. Uh, I think the government of Canada ought to make a statement on what the NHL is doing here, because it's not just about the LGBT file. It's about the general file that the National Hockey League is allowing itself to be influenced, to be governed, if you will, by the crazy wing of U.S. politics. And I'd, I'd love for the government of Canada, whether it's Wassano, whether it's the sports minister, prime minister, doesn't matter to me. I'd, I'd love for somebody representing our national government to make a statement about the National Hockey League. And where's the conversation with the players? Like, they just make this decision, like, Matthew Kachuk, Connor McDavid, all the biggest stars are totally for Pride Night and wearing the jerseys. And because of what, four, four guys, they make this decision? Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's, it's... And, and just, 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 just so we're absolutely clear on this and keeping this on a national uh, perspective and an international perspective, one of the reasons Canada is so respected by people around the world, one of the reasons why more people want to come to Canada than any other country except perhaps the United States, and for obvious reasons people want the American dollars and the American opportunities, I, I get that. But Canada is one of the countries that people in the rest of the world want to come to. One of the reasons for that is because of how we respect and honor the LGBTQ and that isn't about the LGBTQ as far as many people are concerned. It's about egalitarianism, okay? We treat everyone equally, and we believe that all people deserve rights. We don't believe that people's rights should depend on what particular cults in particular political rooms in particular red states or blue states think. That's not how we run the country. And people around the world have gotten the message that Canada has an open-door policy to all people. That's very, very meaningful. When the NHL wants to shut the door, they can they can say they're just shutting the door on the policy in general about sponsorships. We know that this is about LGBTQ, and we can understand that in the United States, various sports organizations simply do not want to confront the crazies. I love Trudeau for many things, okay? And people can get upset with me in Alberta or anywhere else. One of the reasons I love... Trudeau, as a prime minister, is he has no trouble confronting the crazies. When's the last time Pierre Polyev confronted a crazy? I mean, he, he takes pictures with them at the stampede. Yeah. But does he does he ever confront them? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I mean, yeah, and you better believe that you and I are going to talk about the stampede T-shirt thing. I Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he's going to have to at some point, like, because, you know, I mean, you know, it. Is there is this more of a it's more of a challenge for conservative politicians in Canada? It's more of a challenge for Republicans in the states like you get you get like those on the extreme left for sure, I guess, like kind of, um, you know, the, the sort of like the far left fringe. But that's more of a problem for the Greens and the NDs. Like people say, like the NDP is a diluted, watered down party. They have to grapple with it more than the liberals do, whereas the conservatives to to win a conservative leadership um you, you, you kind of have to, or I don't know if you have to, but the formula. I don't think you line, have to. The, I, yeah, I, maybe. I, I don't know. The formula for I'm the challenge. Well, maybe you, you do. Friend. Like, I, I think, like yeah. ask Michael Chong if, if you have to. He'd probably say you do because he hasn't even considered it. And he's probably the brightest star, one of them, uh, on the conservative roster. What, what about Aaron O'Toole? Like, was looked at as like milk toast because he wouldn't. Yeah. 
He wouldn't kind of like stay they've in got, bed. But they've got to get louder about it. I've said a million times. If if you're on the if you're on the the, the center left, get louder. There's not, nothing wrong with that. Why should why should the volume be controlled by, by the far right? Why shouldn't Aaron O'Toole and Michael Chong get louder? Why shouldn't they get on a microphone, get on your show, my show? I don't really care what, where they do it. Yeah. And simply say, we are not prepared to sell the entire country out because 10% of the country is crazy, and it's much easier winning a conservative leadership with the crazies. Why don't they make a statement about that? Yeah, and I just think, I mean, it's just a bad look for the whole brand, to be honest with you. So I've, I've, been, I've been looking forward, obviously, to asking about this. You and I texted ahead of time. We knew we were going to talk about these these T-shirts. Got Randy Boston's take on it. I mean, the guy's... Like, number one, credibility, uh, gay man. Uh, but number two, special advisor to the PM on LGBTQ2S plus issues for a long time. So this is the guy that has, like, advised the Prime Minister of Canada on stuff like this. So I appreciate his take. Let me ask you, as a pundit, about this situation. And then uh, I want to play some audio, oh, video, actually. This this guy, the, the guy with the T-shirt, was was caught by an independent journalist who, who got a couple comments from, and we'll bring that to our audience in, in just a second. But everybody knows the story. Alberta Premier Daniel Smith, official opposition leader Pierre Polyev, photograph of the guy whose shirt basically says, thank a straight person or thank a couple straight people, I guess, for your existence here. Straight pride. Uh, both political leaders say that they didn't see the shirts and they walked it back pretty quick, uh, which from a political strategy point, if you're going to walk it back, don't take the photo in the first place. And if you're you know, going to take the photo, then don't walk it back. But what do you make of this, Adler? Well, first of all, how can you not see the shirt? Second of all, how can the staff not see the shirt? And you, you'll never be able to tell me because Daniel Smith has lots of experience. Pierre Polyev has lots of experience. And I'm going to just put this out there. I have lots of experience with these situations. And there is always a staffer or two staffers or three staffers looking out for us so that we're not embarrassed. Look, I, I've been on, on, on TV shows where they want me on the same screen with all kinds of nut bars, and I've always said no. Sometimes I have staffers to help me with that, but I've always said no. And the reason I say no is because if you don't say no, you're on YouTube forever or a photo forever looking like a real knob. Danielle Smith is a lot of things. She's not a knob. Pierre Polyev is a lot of things. He's not a knob. None of them are operating with no protection, but they want to have it both ways. They want to appeal to the crazies on the one hand, and then they want to say, oh, you know what, I, 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 I don't want to. Sorry. No mas. It, it, it doesn't fly. And I've said before, that regardless of how much I respect Danielle Smith's innate intelligence, uh, she is with each day, whether she's a premier or a candidate, with each day finding lying, and I'm going to have to use the L word, finding lying easy. She's doing it easily. She's doing it casually. She's doing it frequently. And the idea that she had no idea what she was doing, I, I, I didn't see, I got thousands of people. I'm not, sorry, she's a pro. She does see. And Pierre Polyev, it was obvious that it was set up with Pierre Polyev's people, what, I think two hours after the, the crap hit the fan. And when the Pierre Polyev people saw that the crap hit the fan with, with Danielle Smith, they wanted in on it. They wanted a piece of that apple pie. And once again, they're trying to have it both ways. But the, the big the big picture here is big picture here is that the Conservative Party of Canada and the United Conservative Party do not have to be governed by the crazies. It is laziness 
that does it. It's the easy way to do things. You get lots of clicks. You get lots of social media firepower by trying to be on both sides of these controversies. And that is what so much of this is about. I will never believe that you cannot have a conservative government in Alberta or a conservative government based in Ottawa without the nut bars. I just, yeah. sorry, the, the, this country is not crazy. If I believed that this, this country was just one big crazy nation, just one big cult, I'd say, well, of course, of course you need them. Oh. They represent a tiny sliver of our population. Pierre and Smith, I mean, say what you want about them. They're, they're very smart. And they have very smart handlers. Are. Of course You're they telling do. me no one tapped them on the shoulder. And I think the, the thing is they just rather roll the dice. They'd rather have that portion of their vote stick with them and just say sorry after. You know what I mean? There's no way but they then, didn't look then, at this and say the, this could be problematic. It doesn't, it doesn't even like just, and again, I tried to say this to the minister, like, you know, I, I recognize Adler that this comes across as a little bit like uh, callous, like for me just to talk about the political strategy of it. Um, but but the political strategy behind this doesn't even make sense, because if you're going to snap a photo with the person, then don't apologize. And if you're going to apologize, then don't snap the photo like it doesn't make sense. I mean, let, let's get to this. So here's here's a, and then Chuck, we'll get you to comment on this. So so this is an independent uh, journalist by the name of Mocha Bazirgan. I hope I've pronounced that correctly, uh, has the exclusive here. He managed to, to get this guy in an interview. And I want to play. Here's just about a minute and a half of the man that wore the straight pride T-shirt, the man that, that got in for photos with Daniel Smith and Pierre Poliev and and who says now that he's not going to support either of them. Check this twist out. How do you feel about that? They're saying they don't agree with your shirt and they're caving into media's pressure. Wow, to be honest with you, like, Danielle Smith, I had very, very, very high hopes for her. Like, you know, she had passed the Alberta Sovereignty Act, which is, you know, put the Alberta First Act, which I'm very proud of. I come from B.C., but Alberta is now my home, right? And, you know... I'm I'm pretty sad that she caved within 24 hours of taking a picture with me and she could deny this picture all that she wants. She read my shirt. There was not an entourage of people there. There was me, my girlfriend and like two other people standing there when she took the picture with me. So, you know, I'm a little disappointed in her. As for Pierre, I had high hopes for this guy. I thought he was truly great. I thought he was going to bring Canada back again. I thought he was our Donald Trump of Canada, but it turns out, you know what? He's just another leftist wearing a right side suit. So as far as Pierre goes, man, he lost my vote. Danielle, she lost my vote too. So, you know, it's time for reform. It's time to change our governments and it's time for the people to stand up and unite all races, all colors, all genders. We all come from Earth. We're all the same people. I don't know what to make of it. What do you make of that? Well, first of all, what I make from it is that both Danielle Smith's team and Pierre Polyev's team, they're run by amateurs. And that is on Polyev and that is on Smith. Be beyond left, right, uh, morality, immorality, ethics, LGBT, beyond all of that, these are amateurs. And if the people of this country, whether it's the people of Alberta, the people nationally want amateurs to be running uh, the governments because somehow that's more populist, you know, it's not elitist to have people who don't know what they're doing, Doing what they're doing, if, if, if people want, you know, professionals in 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 the surgical units, in the operating theaters, if they want the professionals planning our roads, uh, pl planning what we need for our various projects, whether they're energy projects or any other projects, if we need professionals in every walk of life, except our governments, 
in this case, provincial and federal, if that's okay with the people, that's okay with me because I'm for liberal democracy. But I'm never going to believe that the people of Alberta or of Canada want people like that to be running the country. And when when he says, you know, he was hoping but Pierre Polyev was, was a Trump, well, why wouldn't he hope that? So much of the messaging that Pierre Polyev's amateurs put out there are basically saying, we're Trump light. We're, 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 we're the Canadian version of Trump. And as far as the... Uh, sovereignty business is concerned during the campaign not the election campaign but during the leadership campaign sovereignty 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 so if this guy thinks that Al, Al, alberta's premier is, is basically a closet separatist why wouldn't he think that <laughs> i gotta call this out too right because you 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 brought up the stereotype about a week and a half ago he's wearing the white brim sunglasses yeah the white sunglasses <laughs> although i did hear from a couple buddies who have white sunglasses that were like hey man that was a BS move. That was a BS play. I just don't, like, let this, I don't know, like, this should be, I, I guess I don't want to sit here like, let this be a lesson. I'm. This isn't like Preacher Jespo, a day removed from the Sunday sermon, but but you look at him, like, he's describing Pierre Polyev now as a leftist. What did he say? A leftist in a right-leaning suit or something like that? Like, well, what he's, are, he's, no, he's, but hang he's, on. Like, he's a far-right wing guy. If why? But, but why? Because he apologized? He's a leftist look, all of a sudden? Ryan, people, Ryan, there are people in Alberta, okay? Okay, right in your backyard, there are people who call you and me leftists. What? Do I Seriously? They, they do. I've never heard that. <laughs> they do. They call you what? and me leftists. So it's all it's all over Twitter. Next, uh, you're going to tell me people some say, people you know, think I'm a socialist, your, Charles. Your leftist, socialist, whatever. Yeah. Ridiculous labels, because as far as those people are concerned, unless you're on the far, far right, and they do the same thing in the States. Donald Trump does it all the time. So do all of his people. They've got that term, uh, rhino. Republican in name only. Right. You know, if you're not if if you, if you're not a Trump Republican, you're not a real Republican. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene and people like that go after you. And there are people in this country who impersonate everything the Americans do. And so Jesperson Adler, we're we're socialists, we're communists, whatever. I mean, they know nothing about us. I mean, to, to call people like you and me, uh, you know, socialists, you know, people who obviously come from small business, support small business, thrive on small business, and want governments. Okay, want governments to get out of the way of business. Okay, socialists don't talk that way. Socialists are all over envying anybody who accumulates any wealth at all, whether it's a large corporation, small corporation, or an independent professional. I'm not into envy. My grandmother taught me envy was cancer. And I certainly don't envy any organization, in this case political, both on the conservative federal side and on the provincial Alberta side. I don't envy any organization that allows itself, okay, to hire a bunch of amateurs who every single day, in my opinion, are putting a gun to the head of credibility in those organizations. I, I would, I would not be able to sleep at night if I had amateurs on my staff. Yeah, and so, so this guy, and I'm not like, let's not turn this guy into like John Wayne. He doesn't deserve some sort of like celebrity status. He's He's green shirt guy. Nobody even knows his fucking name. So he's green shirt guy. But but the fact that he's all it took was an apology. All it took was like a moment of and, and I wouldn't even call it decency. It's like, you know, these, these are like political survival tactics. But from from these two camps, the Boy Evan Smith camp, an apology to turn this guy off completely and not only withdraw his support 
from Pierre Polyev, but to start calling him a leftist. So it's that. I mean, I think back to, to the Arthur Pavlovsky thing, that 11-minute phone call that got Danielle Smith in so much trouble. Not enough trouble to lose the election, but still enough trouble. And what did, what did uh, what is Arthur Pavlovsky doing now? Campaigning against Danielle Smith, calling her like a problem. He's watered right. down and diluted and problematic. So there's no loyalty here at all. So you got to wonder, like, what's the play? I mean, right here on our live chat, Alyssa says, I love when they start to eat each other. Uh, Jillian, <laughs> Jillian makes the a snakes, great point. The snakes are turning on each other. The snakes are turning. Uh, Jillian says the worst part is that, and, and again, I guess it's a race to the bottom trying to find out what's the worst part about this, but she says yeah. the worst part is that it's not even true. Uh, that only straight people can help make a life. She says, was I the only one bothered by that? Uh, Jillian, I don't I, I don't try to get too personal with my family members without their consent, but I will say, <laughs> you know, my younger sister, Megan, and her partner, Mare, have a yeah. beautiful little boy, Arrow, and there were, as far as I know, including the third party, exactly zero straight people involved in the creation of that wonderful life. Uh, maybe one, but neither of the people raising him. So like, there, there's, there's just like, not that we need to fact check this, not that we need to get into the semantics but jillian's absolutely right the t-shirt's not even accurate so i mean if we're going to start concerning ourselves with the accuracy of of sort of deadbolt moves like this there are many people in this country who are in the closet you know some are in the gay man closet some are in the lesbian woman closet they're 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 in the closet um you know the trans people closet, whatever there are many closeted people in this country always have been always will be and guess what they have sex and uh, you, you, you've got people with male parts having sex with people with female parts, where their heads are at, where they're mentally, psychologically, what they really want to do. I don't really give a damn. But the idea that this guy, this this freakazoid, uh, who now thinks that Pierre Polyev is a left winger and that uh, disappointed that uh, Danielle Smith may not be a separatist, you know, th- this freakazoid's perspective on biology means squat to me. And if anyone, and I realize that, you know, Facebook, Twitter, social media is filled with people who go, yeah, the guy's right. The guy understands biology. No, the guy doesn't understand biology. The guy doesn't understand anything. I will say at the end, though, there was there was kind of that 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 twist, that unexpected twist at the end, Johnny, where he all of a sudden goes, and I just want everybody to get along. All sexual, all gender, all yeah. genders, by the way, he said, which I thought was actually. Yeah. He didn't say both genders. He said all interview? genders. Ryan, why don't you book? Why don't you book the guy? Why don't you, well, seriously, what do I just Google well, green shirt might, guy? And I'm afraid I'm not, might... a shot, I'm not taking a shot. Book green shirt guy. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and whether he wants to wear the green shirt or no shirt, I don't care. You yeah. Know? You know what I'd you love know, to see is you know that the the green shirt guy, the other green shirt guy, Johnny. The green shirt oh, yeah, guy, this guy laughing at the sanctuary city protesters at a, at a city council meeting down in the States. I would love to see, see him laughing at the green guy. shirt guy <laughs> laughing at green shirt guy. That would be a mashup that the world could use. Green shirt guy with the straight pride. I'm afraid he'd walk in on like DMT or something. And just he sounds like he was all over the place in that. Like I started yeah. off like, OK, I think I know what this guy's t- like stance is. And yeah. then it just went off the rails. Like, yeah. Hey, hey, Chuck, would you so. That, that that is the question. That's always the question. Is like you know, who do you choose to platform? I would love to pick the brain of Green Shirt Guy, but I I just don't well, know the ahead. value of go it ahead. to the I mean, audience. Yeah, I, I would interview. I mean, the, the justification is real simple. Uh, we want to know who it is and what it is yeah. that, for some reason, conservatives in this country, provincially and federally, feel that they need to to pander to. Who who are these? Who are these people? 
Nothing, yeah, nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, people would accuse you of punching down because it's it's virtually impossible to do an interview like that the whole time with a straight face and objective questions. It's it's virtually impossible. Well, I didn't I didn't say I wanted to do it. Yeah, <laughs> you just want to. I'm you, outsourcing. Yeah, you said I'm outsourcing. I don't, don't want to start my house on fire. I just want to watch a house burn, <laughs> not my house. Sure, guys had his 15 minutes. Sure, guys had his 15 minutes, <laughs> and, and it's not lost on us either that in the background of that video, there's two Calgary police officers just mingling yeah. just casually yeah, just mingling. in case just yeah. in case <laughs> green shirt guys under suspicion yes under <laughs> under observation he's under police observation anyway next next time i say to you you ought to you ought to book so and so you're you or johnny have got to come back with why don't you book him? yeah why don't you book him how's that going by the way you've you've officially launched the charles adler show you're about, yeah. two, you're about yeah. two, what three weeks now into the podcasting yeah. I, I, like as I, the I driving make, force I, yeah, it's it's going great. I mean, according to all the metrics, I don't want to get into all the business stuff. It's going great. I want to thank, as always, people of Canada, specifically the people of Alberta. I, I can tell you this, that uh, well over uh, 20% of our audience is coming from Alberta. That's so, awesome. Uh, Alberta is always my lucky charm, my good luck charm, <laughs> no matter how many far right-wing conservatives say things like, you know, you're no longer in touch with Albertans. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank Albertans for, for supporting me as always. But beyond all of that, I've got something that I, I want to discuss with you and I want to discuss with anyone who wants to discuss it because I ran into a $3.25 small Diet Coke at a Wendy's. I saw that you and wrote a column I, on this in the free press. I didn't, I, I didn't drink it. I didn't pay for it. Yeah. I didn't have any of it because the idea, and I, I don't want to hear from people say, you can afford this. It's not about what I can afford, okay? There's a, there's, a, there's a principle here. I don't think that people should pay for something. I mean, it hasn't been given to them yet. It wasn't poured. It wasn't spoiling anything. But I, I just don't think when people are confronted by a transaction that they don't feel is fair, I don't think they should go along with it because they're being the stereotypical polite Canadian. Mm. I could have been the stereotypical polite Canadian. I asked for a Diet Coke at the Wendy's counter. It wasn't a traditional restaurant with, with lot, lots and lots of staff. Okay, It was a fast food uh, restaurant, and the, the Diet Coke was going to come from the, the fountain. This wasn't a bottle or a can, mm -hmm. which is, you know, in my opinion, far better than the stuff that comes from the fountain. I'll put that aside. I asked for a Diet Coke. And uh, the, the person says 20, 25. I didn't hear the, the number before 25. So I just assumed it was $1.25. So I took $1.25 out of my pocket. And then he corrected me. Once again, I only heard the 25 part. And I took another dollar out. And I was okay with that. Okay, fine. Two twenty-five, whatever. I just, I'm just thirsty. I just want my Diet Coke. But then he said, sir, it's three twenty-five. I said, three twenty-five for a small Diet Coke? And he says, yeah, that's what it is. And then I just said, no sale. And I just think if more people, I'm just using this as a metaphor, okay? <laughs> I think if more people in this country were to choose to basically say no sale, or it's not a matter of whether you say it or not, it's about doing it. If they didn't get the card out, if they didn't get the, whether it's the visa, cash, I don't care what they're using. If they didn't pay for things that they feel are unfairly priced, I think it might help bring down inflation. The reason I'm so concerned about the Diet Coke isn't the Diet Coke. I just think if people get away with gouging, and I've got to use the word, if people get away with gouging Canadians and Canadians just politely and obediently go along, you've got this Bank of Canada governor that's raising interest rates. So the idea that interest rates are being raised to bring inflation down, if, 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 this is a big if, okay, I haven't done a study on this, 
But if part of inflation is Canadians obediently going along, paying prices that they feel are outrageous, I'm not talking about the stuff they absolutely need, like like heat and air conditioning. I'm talking about this kind of thing. How many times in your life, on, on a given day, a given week, you just came back from the stampede, how many times do you run into situations where you don't have to buy a particular product, you don't have to, not if it's unfairly priced, how many times do you say, no, I'm not doing it, or do you just say, well, well you know, I, I would I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to create a scene here. Number one, I have I have not walked a mile in those shoes, uh, Charles. And you know what your first mistake was, is that here per costfindercanada.com, which is an independent consumer advocacy resource, the cost of a soft drink, small size at a Dairy Queen in Canada is a dollar seventy nine. A dollar seventy nine. Not three twenty five. Not three twenty five. In a related Perfect. story, like at a competing fast food restaurant. Yeah. Warren Buffett's well, I knew it wife. Wasn't 320. The reason I was surprised is just I'll, I'll just since I put Wendy's on the table, I might as well put McDonald's on the table. No, no, no. I've got. No, I'm trying I've to got, get you to I, stop <laughs> mentioning the competitors to our sponsors, and I'm trying oh, I'm to sure, start I'm mentioning sure. our sponsors and point out. I didn't, I didn't out. realize I was hamstrung <laughs> by Dairy Queen. I love Dairy Queen. You didn't well, get your free Dairy Queen. You didn't get your free Dilly bars. You didn't get the free Dilly bars we sent you. I go for blizzards, man. <laughs> what were you I mean, I, I don't I don't really love Canadian <laughs> blizzards, but I love Dairy Queen blizzards. Okay. Well, let's you clip wanna, that and send that to me. Well. Okay. Three, I'm, two, one. I was going to say. Adler, and I support <laughs> Ryan Jesperson for a number of reasons, primarily because he supports Dairy Queen Dilly Bars and Dairy Queen blizzards. Ryan Jesperson is my kind of ice cream eater. Ryan Jesperson's family is my kind of Canadian family. Ryan Jesperson's my guy. Because he's a Dairy Queen this guy. This is good. Yeah. So am I. This is really good. Check check your Does email. That up for my check trespass? check your check your <laughs> inbox for the e transfer <laughs> later today. What were you going to say about well, one of the world's richest men? In a related story, Warren Buffett. You know, all these billionaires are at this big uh, billionaire summer camp summit in oh, Sun geez. Valley over the weekend. Okay. okay. And his wife Astrid, uh, pictured here if you're watching on YouTube, uh, overheard complaining about four dollar cups of coffee that they were forced to pay for. At a summer camp for billionaires. Well, you don't become a billionaire if you're splashing cash. Oh, Warren all over Buffett, the place, right? famu- famously, uh, uh, you know, frugal, Somewhat, very, yeah, very frugal. cheap. Charles, he's to, he reportedly still lives in the same house that they same house. He bought it for thirty-eight just, grand, yeah. like twenty I, years ago or twenty-eight I, years. I just ago. want to say this because every time Buffett's name comes up, I just want to say this. I know of a number of Americans and some Canadians, but mostly Americans, who don't know diddly squat about finance, the stock market, bonds, interest rates, none of it. All they know is they trust Warren Buffett. And many of them bought Berkshire Hathaway stock over 30 years ago, and they have done absolute gangbusters. People yeah. can can look it up. So Warren Buffett is a wonderful human being because Warren Buffett has ingratiated himself to just the common man, common woman, common people, told them years ago, trust me, I will make you richer. I may make you really, really rich. I'll certainly make you richer. I'll do more for you than anyone else will. They trusted him, and they go to his convention. Some people call it you know, Berkshire uh, Woodstock. They have other names for it as well. But every year in Omaha, Nebraska, anybody who's got Berkshire Hathaway stock can go and visit with, with, with Warren and Charlie. And I just think it's a, I think it's a wonderful story. <laughs> and I think if, if they think that $4 is too much, for price of coffee, it's because four dollars is too much for a price of coffee, and I agree with Warren. I agree with his wife. And by the way, people ought to know that somewhere around ninety percent 
of Warren's billions and billions and billions of dollars, somewhere around 90% is going to be turned over to charity when he passes. And I agree with you, Charles, but like the average cost of, of like a Starbucks drink in North America, Canada is like four fifty, anyways. So, but her argument was when this went on was, I think she said something in the story. It says that amounted to, I could buy a pound of coffee for that much. And the person serving it was like, didn't know what to do, but I agree with Charles. It's hard to hate, it's not hard to hate billionaires, but it's really hard to hate Warren Buffett because you try and find, you want him to be an asshole, but when a guy's already said that when he passes away, him and yeah. his wife are giving 99% of their wealth Can you imagine to being charity. their kid? You're their kid? I mean, he's oh. just, there's nothing bad you can say about him, but he's an asshole for making me feel bad about not being rich. Okay, yes, yes. <laughs> Charles, we actually had a we had a uh, sort of a, a moment in our marriage. I'll pull the curtain back this week. My wife informed me that while we did end up buying tickets for the $65 million Lotto Max um, that Carrie uh, let me know, I said, what's going to be the first thing that we do when we win? And uh, I already had my answer locked and loaded. It's obviously private air transport to uh, one of the Hawaiian islands for about two months. Um, and, and then we'll figure out what we're going to do. She said, no, the very first thing that you're going to do, she said, I'm going to get you help and you're going to start talking to counselors. She said, because I didn't, I, she said, I know you and I can't trust you with $65 million. And so let alone a billion, um, there's already questions in our household if I'm capable of dispersing or living with 65 mil in the bank. So thankfully it's, we didn't have the winning numbers, so I don't have to deal with it. Well, this is real simple. You just, uh, you know, just sign a, sign a document that uh, (laughs) she's in charge. Of if if you know if, let's say it's sixty five million dollars that you know she she's in charge of sixty four million of the sixty five yeah, million. Yeah, let me have, have one. Charge one million and thank my friends. I, 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 yeah. I, if if you're asking me, I personally also trust Carrie. Yes, more with well, the, with sixty four so million I. dollars than, than I would, you. I, mean, I would be dead six months after winning sixty five million dollars. <laughs> no, but no, what no, a six yeah, months yeah, it would yeah. be. No, no, the yeah. things the, the things. The things would you, that you would do might be self-destructive and not in the interest of your family, and most important to Johnny and me, not in the interest of this what show. Does that mean? No, no, but he's right. He's right. It, it would not be there. There would be uh, there would oh, be a trust, lot of. I trust Carrie. There would be a lot the, of. Carrie's uh, the grown-up in the family. Like Wyatt says so to I us, trust her with a dough. Wyatt's about to turn eight, right? And so his his perspective is a little different. And so I was trying to explain to him how much sixty-five million is, and you can't really. It's, and I he said he said I said I said for example we could like if we wanted to I said we could we could race Lamborghinis and I said we would just buy the Lamborghinis and Carrie says see she says see. This is what I'm talking about. So, so we're yeah. so we're we're not on the same page. But these are not these are not the conversations that uh, that average households are having. The average the real conversations <laughs> are are you know for a lot of people. You mentioned with the interest rate going up again. That means for a lot of people again. This is this happened just in the last few days. All of their variable rates are rising, right? And so for a lot of people, the mortgage payment's going up. For a lot of people, that means the lines of credit are going up. For some people, it means their credit card's going to be going up as well, which in some or many circumstances is maxed out. We saw the the, the troubling numbers uh, just this past week that, that a lot of people are, are within 200 bucks on, on any given moment from being unable to cover their bills on that two-week cycle. So, I mean, this is a very real conversation. And uh, Chuck, in closing, I want, I want to put the same question in front of you that we put in front of your pals, uh, Jody Vance and Linda Steele, uh, on our Friday roundtable a week ago. Um, if you were the federal government, I don't know where you're going to land on that. I don't know how you're going to answer this. With the slated carbon tax increase for July 1st, it went up. It meant that gas is more expensive at the pumps, and, and, and there are other implications as well. If you were the PM or if you were calling the shots, Charles, 
Would you have pressed pause, all things considered, on that bump up, that carbon tax increase on July 1st? Yes. So, sorry if I sorry if if if, if, if well, yes unanimous. Is, is a difficult okay. answer for you, but 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 yes, this is this is a no brainer. You know, we're going through a period of time where where people need a break, and I'd give them a break, and I'd, I'd give them a break on the tax that is most identified uh, with the government. And if the uh, if the other side, if the opposition wants to have a problem with that, I mean, you know, they they they, they can have a problem with it. All they do all day long is talk about the carbon tax. I, I'd give people. Uh, a furlough on that, a, a, a tax holiday, if you will. Yeah. You can catch Charles Adler every Monday, uh, unless it's a long weekend. Then he's here on Tuesdays on Real Talk. You can subscribe to the Charles Adler podcast, and it uh, doesn't matter where you are in the country. Uh, you can also read his column in the Winnipeg Free Press. What's that out on Wednesdays? Is that right? It's it's or on weekly. Thursdays and Saturdays, and I just okay. want people to know that on Mondays, I do not interview anyone from my podcast because Monday is a sacred day, Okay. Monday is Ryan Jesperson's day, and if it weren't for Ryan Jesperson, I wouldn't be overweight because of all of the Dairy Queens that I'm having. If uh, if, if it weren't for Ryan Jesperson, I wouldn't have climbed out of the, the casket uh, to get back oh, yeah. in the public ear and eye. And so Mondays are Ryan's days. I'll do you know comments about about the price of coffee or the, the price of Diet Coke at, at Wendy's, but I, I don't interview anyone on this on this sacred day. Oh, we love you, pal. We'll talk to you again in a week, okay? Honor, respect. Thank you. Goes both ways. That's Charles Adler, legendary T-G- talk host. TGIM. TGIM. <laughs> Charles Adler. I love this. Uh, David on our live chat says uh, if he won the 65 mil, he'd buy a lake lot and retire. Says I would build a, a sanctuary for senior cats. Uh, for all the old kitties that don't get adopted, they get to live their lives in the mountains, totally taken care of. He goes on, by the way, to say, I'd also have my partner ensuring that I'm spending properly. David says, I'm the spender and he's the responsible one. Are you the... Uh, There's always one, right? How does it, how, do, do, I, do I dare drag you into this one? Is there a dynamic in, in your uh, love life, in your relationship? Is there one spender and one I more th- frugal, prudent... I think it's gone. It's flipped. So it used to be Ooh. me. I was the one who just eh, spend, spend, spend. Can't take it when you're gone. Yeah. And now it's kind of flipped. But my wife doesn't, you know, my partner's very, she buys a lot of things, but they're not super expensive. But like every day there's a little Amazon. There's a little something. You know, I get a ding But nothing that's phone. like a thousand bucks. No, but she's definitely buying more stuff than I do now. Now I'm the one who's like, put it in the savings, put it right. in the savings, Got put it. it in the savings. But- Having said that, I love her, and she's not sending us to the poorhouse. Yes. Well done. <laughs> uh, M. Aitken says, I disagree with Adler on the... Uh, and by the way, thanks to everyone. Like, we really appreciate when you let us know when you disagree with something. Like Your, 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 your praise and your support for this show is so appreciated, but we also love when you let us know when you'd love to hear an alternative viewpoint on something or when you think we're out to lunch on something Uh, and that included my conversation on our most recent friday roundtable with jody and linda both of them two for two said they would pause the increase on the carbon tax adler makes it three for three Uh, but ma ma can here says i disagree we need to force change on people and the carbon tax is part of that that sort of influence on on the behavior it would be 
politically difficult. Like on the one hand, it's a win. Everybody loves, you know, Ralph Bucks, Danny Dollars, Mo Money with Scott Mo. When it, when a government is running in surplus or or creates mm-hmm. uh, an opportunity for people to, you know, get a one time payment, whether that's like a grocery incentive or something else, it's four hundred bucks, six hundred bucks, whatever it is. People love politically. The numbers show there's evidence that the electorate responds favorably. Sure, obviously. When you give them money, imagine that. But kind of income. But at the same time, right? If you all of a sudden are like, like, is the is the tail wagging the dog? Mm-hmm. Like, like, who's making the calls and how do you decide something like that? If you look the Canadian public in the eye and say we are moving forward with with a bold plan for for climate action because we believe that that, that the time is not now the time is almost past in other words we're operating on borrowed time we mm-hmm. need to operate now you know a degree and a half either way the polar ice caps are melting yada 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 i'm not being disrespectful i'm just cutting to the chase mm-hmm. if you say we have to act now and then you go but like gas is more expensive and things and groceries so actually we're going to lay off we're going to back off politically that can also be suicidal of course, right? because people that are supporting your government or supporting you as an elected official based on you taking climate action seriously are going to go, what the hell? A hundred percent. And people live in the here and now. I get it. But four to six hundred bucks. And I get it. There's people listening now who are like, I could use four hundred bucks. I could use six hundred bucks. Mm. But in the grand scheme of the world, Randy said it best. Even if we do monumental change right now, we're not going to see any kind of effect on anything for years and years and years. So maybe it is time to just force things. And I'm not, well, I don't want to sound like that, but you know what I mean? We need, we need never use the word force, but they'll say you want to influence. We need some action. And if it, if it's, if it's 400 bucks, you don't get from a rebate or, or whatever it is, I'll pay the 400 bucks a year to, to have, you know, your kids, kids, Yeah. <laughs> be able to enjoy the planet, right? MA so. follows up on that comment and says, we live on a farm and we're investing in solar. <clears throat> Utilities are killing us. Uh, MA, make sure you check out kubienergy.ca. Uh, they're doing a ton of work on uh, the, the agricultural work that they're doing is is really amazing. And positive reflections presented by Kubi's coming up in just a quick second. Seventh pilot says carbon tax is affecting people's ability to afford to eat. That's a fact. Um, you know, Gary wonders, do you stop investing in your kids' RESP, their, their education savings plan, knowing that decision will have long-term consequences, right? Um, yeah. Tracy says, by the way, her husband says, if they win the lottery, give them an allowance. Don't show them the money. I could deal with an allowance. <laughs> something, something modest, like- For 100, yourself? 150000 a month. Yeah. Yeah, they just, yeah just, just something modest. I think you would need an allowance. You would need an allowance. <laughs> you would definitely. Yeah. Be- yeah. <laughs> hey, all this talk about Dairy Queen- Obviously, we got to remind you what's going on there right now through these summer months. And, and Adler said it all. Uh, like, you know, when you go to Dairy Queen, you don't show up for the diet sodas. But, like, you can if you want. They are there. Three bucks. But if you do, $1.79. <laughs> as far as I know, it's the cheapest. It's the most economically priced soda in Canada at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. But they've also got you covered on all the indulgences, the blizzards and the DQ cakes. Why buy a DQ cake? I mean, are you celebrating a birthday or maybe you're heading to a birthday party, an anniversary party? Maybe you're getting set for a K-Days party or shout out to Central Alberta. Maybe you're celebrating Westerner days in the next little bit. DQ cakes offer happiness however you want it. Uh, You can customize a cake with an image to match your occasion. You can personalize colors and photos and all kinds of stuff. And oftentimes, orders can be picked up within a day, maximum three days when you order custom Dairy Queen cakes 
from the DQs in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, or in Sherwood Park at Baseline Road. You make sure you let them know that Real Talk sent you. If you're in charge of keeping that family budget on track and you want to make sure that your family is also eating healthy at the same time, can we recommend that you circle August 1st on your calendar? That's the next chance. It's two weeks from now that you're going to be able to save 15% off a grocery purchase of $75 or more. From the Friesen Brothers, there's 16 locations across the province of Alberta. And every month, they're introducing their new Family Essentials Easy Family Meal Solutions. This is in their Family Essentials flyer, which you can check out at Friesen.com. That's F-R-E-S-O-N.com. Simple but really interesting recipes that can be made using products featured in the Family Essentials flyer, including awesome barbecue tips. You can check them out again online or visit them in person. 16 different Alberta communities. Friesen Brothers is Alberta grown and Alberta owned. Also wanted to remind you that, you know, we know it's been a while. We were gone for a week. Johnny and I couldn't wait to get back. Uh, Number one, because we know you got a lot of steam you got to blow off. There's a lot of angst out there. It feels good to to let it out, right? That's Trash Talk every Friday right here on the show presented by Local Environmental Services. You know, some people say that it's only garbage, but not to local. They believe that communities deserve better. So if you're a decision maker in Alberta or Saskatchewan, and that could be a, your own small business. Maybe you got a, I don't know, a shoe store. Uh, maybe you got a small ma and pa restaurant. Maybe you're making decisions for a big facility like West Edmonton Mall. Or perhaps you're working for a municipality. If you're in charge of community services like garbage and recycling, you owe it to yourself and your bottom line to get in touch with local environmental services. We can virtually guarantee you'll pay more and you'll be keeping it local. You can find them online at localenvironmental.ca. Every Monday or the first episode of every week, our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy. Again, you can get your free solar quote today. Free at kubienergy.ca. They, they provide a moment for us, an opportunity to press pause on all the negative news and to fill our buckets it's a weekly exercise we call positive reflections and johnny and i both loved this story although it starts with a bit of a gut punch Mm -hmm. uh this is a a fellow by the name of tj lyles and he took his eight-year-old son gabe out for a quick shopping trip uh down in the states in connecticut uh to target and uh this is when a group of strangers approached him by the way Gabe, the little guy, uh, he has bilateral hearing loss. He wears hearing aids. And they asked him if he wanted to take part in a fill a cart challenge. So they were going to blindfold him. And then they were going to give him 30 seconds to fill a shopping cart with items. And then whatever he could get in that 30 seconds, he got to keep it. And they said it was for their YouTube channel. Um, They actually lied. They said that they were affiliated with like the biggest YouTuber of all time, Mr. Beast. Oh, Everybody knows Mr. Beast, whose videos get like 150 million views. I think we're just behind him on the YouTube (laughs) algorithm. Anyway, so long story short, you know what these three jerks did? What? They left eight-year-old Gabe blindfolded, scrambling, filling a cart, and took off laughing. They filmed it. They posted it to social media, actually, but it was a prank. They said it was a prank. They're pranking a disabled eight-year-old. What the? Like, does it get? I know, but but here's the positive. Like, you're going, this should be trash talk, not positive reflections, right? 
But here's the deal. A whole bunch of people heard about this and they said, uh, uh, uh. Like even the Target employees in the house. And they're going, wait a second. They said, number one, first of all, this contest was not authorized. It has nothing to do with us. But number two, they said, who targets? What kind of sick individuals target kids with special needs? And so you know what a whole bunch of people did? A whole bunch of people got together, including their local commission for persons with disabilities. They held an emergency vote and they were able to allocate some funds so Gabe could have a legit shopping spree at Target. Nice. They made it possible. They said, despite the unfortunate circumstances, everybody came together and said, the town of Southington is all about good news and positive outcomes. And so after this story aired on local news, they had a huge outpouring of support. They said, we're glad that this ended this way for Gabe. We wanted to reinforce there are good people out there, and we hope that this inspires people to do nice things for others. So a positive outcome to a pretty lousy start, but that's why we wanted to present it here as a reminder that there are people out there that when they sense the slightest ripple in the universe, when they sense that something's wrong, they snap into action to make it right. And that includes this circumstance. If you've experienced something like this, or maybe you've played a part in making someone's day, did somebody make yours? Tell us about it. Send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com with positive reflections in the subject line, and you could be featured in an upcoming episode of Real Talk. Coming up on the show tomorrow, we're looking forward to checking in with the storm chaser who filmed that remarkable video of the Lacombe tornado. You remember that? Absolutely. The Didsbury tornado, rather. You remember this? The one that was, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it, it had the entire nation's attention. This guy was right there in the mix. Aaron J. Jack's going to join us to take us through his remarkable experience. Thanks for being a friend of Real Talk. Thanks for telling your friends about this episode and the others. Thanks for subscribing and thanks for joining us right here again tomorrow. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, executive producer Josh Dunford, technical producer John Hicks, general manager Katie Cook Chivers, account coordinator Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources, Lena Shepard. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis Settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com. 